when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Welcome to Be Good and Kato. Should we put this episode on the Be Good and Rewatch It feed and be like, hey, this doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> but, but, but. You want to go to this other? Because someone's got to have a over here. Come over someone ha- here. Like, someone did unsub, right? Like sometimes you don't, like a podcast stops and you don't unsub from it. You just. I'm yeah. someone. I'm so I'll I'll pull up Pocket Cast right now. I'll show you that little fucking icon in my phone. I'm someone. Exactly. You know what? Uh, People are still listening to that podcast. Not in large numbers, but like every once in a while, I'll peek over there and be like, "Huh, a hundred people decided to download and listen to one of those podcasts this week." Interesting. <laughs> all right. So strategically, this is the smart move. Great. Yeah. All right. Marketing. All right. Marketing meeting over. Clap. Um. Onto the podcast. Uh. Yeah, we uh this uh this episode this uh podcast called My Turn. It's sort of like a new movie podcast, kind of uh, formalizing a, a new way of sort of, of doing movie conversations. We've we, we're doing a really good job about talking about Michael Mann films, like no notes, like cruising right th- <laughs> with uh, Robert. We halfway through. Wow did you the f- did you say we're cruising through it on the eve of us recording our Collateral podcast? What a fantastic play on words. Thank you, Patrick. I didn't realize you were such a fan. Well, I, that is like the one of the few Michael Mann films I have seen before I saw The Keep. So uh, that's true. I didn't un- understand the synergy. But, you know, look, here it is. Nonetheless, um, we sort of had struggled to get like a regular cadence on like the, the you know, manhunting makes sense. You're going through the the, man, the Michael Mann films and uh, we wanted to get on more sort of a regular schedule uh, kind of like cadence with talking about movies so my turn the concept is one person picks a movie to start with and then they kind of host that podcast that conversation and then we rotate and the next movie has to be related in some way it, it doesn't have to be a sequel it could like share an actor or a theme or a genre like the idea is that like the next person kind of like picks the next conversation and it's sort of like thematically in conversation somehow some way with the previous movie now I just said it didn't have to be a sequel, and the whole the whole setup for this this first turn of the wheel will be Predator to Prey, but that is because I really wanted to talk about Prey and just shoehorned a, a concept into it, and then kind of stumbled into this as a well, as a broader. We, we also felt you couldn't really talk about Prey without at least like making you sure cannot. we all had the Predator frame of reference. I I I, I yes, there was, it was suggested by Kato that maybe we should flip them around, but I think it will become. I think it would be interesting to do it the other way, but I think it'll be abundantly clear upon watching Prey, why watching Predator first um, will will make a lot of sense for for a lot of reasons. Um, and so after that, it'll turn to Ren and Kato. I don't know the exact order. We'll have to use some online website to 
to, to randomize it. And then <laughs> they'll pick uh, a film. Uh, and at the end, uh, you, the listeners, will also uh, uh, pick a film from like a, a pre-selected uh, group. I'm, I'm hoping someone will pick Prometheus. I would love to yell about that messy movie, but that won't be my choice. That is just what's in my heart. Uh, and I will put it out there. Um, and uh, one other note is that so these podcasts are going to start on the Waypoint Plus feed, um, but a week later they are going to show up on the main podcast feed. So the ones on the main podcast feed, I mean, do you want to hear me talk about UK broadband in the UK? Then hey, you just you just stick to that that uh, that uh, that Waypoint Radio feed. But if you want them without ads um, and you want everything in one place, uh, your best bet is to sign up over at Waypoint Plus. Dot com. So uh, we've all talked, but uh, I haven't properly introduced everyone. Um, I'm Patrick. That was Rob. Ren. Howdy. Hello. Howdy and hello. Kato. Hello. Um, so we are here to talk about Predator 1987. I want to read the description on the back of the VHS tape that came out in 1988. Um as a way of explaining the premise of this film. Arnold Schwarzenegger stars this action-packed adventure story of fighting men pitted against an unseen enemy. Fighting men. That's a very... Hmm. <laughs> a force more powerful than their fiercest weapons. Recruited by the CIA to rescue hostages held by guerrilla fighters in a Central American country. <laughs> Definitely not Nicaragua. Don't see Nicaragua. Don't look <laughs> Just, away. <laughs> I love the vagueness. I should look... I would Actually, I would be wildly interested to read the script and see, like... What exactly, what sort of vagaries are we dealing with here? Schwarzenegger and his men encounter an enemy unimaginably more deadly than any on Earth because the Predator is not of this Earth. Uh, packed with spectacular special effects and combat scenes of gut-wrenching power, Predator is the most terrifying and most exciting Schwarzenegger movie yet. So the, the, the reason I picked Predator was not like any like strong emotional ties to Predator as a movie. It's just that I watched Prey, thought that movie fucking ripped. It was like, let's watch Predator first so Prey will make more sense. But, like, upon revisiting this, like, thinking about Predator, it's, like, a really <laughs> interesting movie for, like, a lot of different reasons, even separate from, like, the thematics that we'll get into. It's the directorial de debut of uh, John McTerran, who goes on to direct <laughs> Die Hard, The Hunt for Red October, and also goes to jail for several years for lying to the FBI. <laughs> Did not know that part. Um, and w. then, like, the, la the last major uh, thing he did... Uh, uh, filmmaking wise was like a short film for a ghost recon mo a game in 2017. <laughs> okay. Uh, sure. Predator comes out in 1987. So this is like right as Schwarzenegger is ascending sort of as like an action movie star It's five years after Conan the Barbarian, two years after Commando uh, and the same year's running man. Um, it's uh, the year before he makes his uh, comedic sort of mark with twins and like becomes an actor who is known more than just, uh, like for taking his shirt off and firing guns or walking slowly. And then it's a few years before 1991's Terminator 2. Um, and interestingly, the only reason this movie exists is there was a joke going on in Hollywood, I guess, in, uh, that the screenwriters had heard at some sort of party that was, well, after Holly, after after Rocky IV, there's no one left for uh, Rocky Balboa to fight, so I, I guess he'll have to fight an alien. And they thought that was a funny bit, and so they wrote an entire premise that became the script Predator based on hearing uh that joke Incredible. Um, uh, <laughs> uh and then also uh was it val oh who is it then oh who was the the uh who was the martial artist he became actor that was originally van damme i wrote down huh you talking about van damme yes van damme i wrote down vin diesel in my in my notes and i was like that's, that's not, not that's not right <laughs> 
Yeah, Jean-Claude Van Damme was originally cast as the Predator in a when it was more of a ninja-like, agile role, but then he kept passing out on set and complaining that he was never going to have his real face on camera. And also when they stacked them next to any of the actors in this film, they went, he's so small, no one will buy this. So all that is like why I think it makes Predator like a really interesting film to revisit, especially so many years later. And I do want to hear everyone's origin story is related to this film. Because I feel like people of a certain <laughs> young men, boys of a certain age have specific relationship movies like Predator and Alien and things like that. But Ren, I have to I have to know. I have to know what you thought of Predator. So my first note is that um, I agree with Blaine. Uh, I think if the main cast hadn't been a bunch of slack-jawed F-slurs, more of them would have lived. Um, <laughs> that's kind of my take. <laughs> I think Good that they, they would have had an easier time. Um, <laughs> this is, I mean, Predator existed in a very odd space in my mind because I had this friend growing up who had the uh, worst undiagnosed ADHD of anyone I knew. And as someone who had extremely severe ADHD, that that's saying something. Um, but he was obsessed with Alien and Predator and would always like enact the Predator's violence like in like role play um, <laughs> as... Um, I remember one time I went over his house and he was playing Mortal Kombat and he was obsessed <laughs> with playing Predator in Mortal Kombat. Uh, I think we watched Alien vs. Predator at his house. I fell asleep in the middle of it. I have a disease. Uh, so that is like my pre this we talking about when, when Predator was a guest character in one of the Mortal yes. Kombat games? Okay. Yes. yes. All right. Wow. Okay. That's yes. my so, first exposure. And then seeing <laughs> Alien vs. Predator and immediately falling asleep. Just, just <laughs> conking out it's seconds a bad in. It's a bad movie. Um, um, so that's my that's my before seeing this film uh, for this podcast experience with Predator. Um, I think that this movie is really interesting. I, I, this is the first like action <laughs> film, action film I've like really re-engaged with like from this specific period of action movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first actually thought while watching it was um, one. Boy, they act like ammunition uh, is a concept uh, as opposed to a uh, material reality in the world. But like, I, that's the thing. One of the things I found really fascinating about this is that like a like action movies from like the two thousands onward, when I'm growing up, really prize like efficiency in violence. It is it is like the John Wick style of I am going to do as much violence as quickly as possible with as little like movement as necessary versus this film where they are just like you can put a bullet anywhere if you really try. <laughs> <laughs> well, and if it's a, if it's a chain gun, you don't even have to think about it. It just does the work for you. Look at that it's, thing spin. Look at it go. And and I think that's a a really interesting school of action movie like making where it's like we just have big guys who look real big and do they do things that would you would associate with a big guy not really sometimes they lift heavy things but the action is watching a big man move as opposed to like literally choreographed fight scenes uh, and mm-hmm. i find that like really interesting uh rob where do you do you have a a story of watching predator for the first time uh yeah but so I also didn't get to this till later in part because mm. um, like Ren, you alluded to something there a moment ago about 
this being an action movie of a different mold where it's all just like watch big burly dudes just unload like weapons at the camera uh extensively and that was so remember when i'm growing up uh that kind of action style is is first like there's a million of those movies and two it's like really passe and i couldn't distinguish the predator was different from them and so like the, the like the kids i hung out with who were like man i fucking love movies like this maybe skeptical of predator because these were also the people who were pushing you to be like you know what we should do is we should watch like commando Hey, you ever seen, uh, you know, you you want to watch Full Metal Jacket for the hundredth time? Uh, hey, let's just watch the scenes where somebody says something racist or the scenes where people are getting yep. killed. Shit yeah, like that. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> so, like, none of that made me feel like, oh, I want to I want to watch Predator. I want to like this. This movie looks like it'll be interesting. So I, I skipped it for years until years later. Um, I was visiting a friend and. He was like, we just decided, you know, we need the biggest bro down kind of night uh, that we've had in years. It was like, <laughs> like uh, both our partners were were out. We were sort of alone. We were just sort of hanging out uh, alone in their apartment uh, for a couple days. And it was like, we just need to watch Predator. We just need first we need to go on a beer run and then we need to yes. order like a small mountain of pizza and then we need to watch Predator. And so we're <laughs> like, all right, let's just let's just turn off our fucking brains. Watch Predator. This is going to be dumb as hell. It's going to be awesome. And like 30 minutes later, like he and I look at each other and we're like, this is transcendent. <laughs> this, is, this is one of the most <laughs> trenchant portraits of masculinity and like uh male intimacy we've ever seen and so mind you we still got drunk but <laughs> we're also sitting there being like this is not despite it being one of those movies it's like there's a reason it spawns a bunch of imitators but also there's a reason that like this is regarded as a classic and the genre that it tended to inspire like just stocked uh the action rack of VHS of VH, VHS rental stores uh for years. But Predator always sort of stood apart. How about you, Kata? Uh I didn't see this at all for a very long time. But my only like exposure to Predator was uh the Alien vs. Predator arcade game, I believe. Hell, that was Capcom yeah. uh, 2D beat-em-up. Yeah, that yeah. game, nice. so good. There was a... My Little League team always went to a specific pizza place, and that pizza place had an arcade in the back, and that's where that had that. So, like, that was it. And I didn't know that it, there were movies connected to it at all. I was very, <laughs> like... Uh, well, those games were aimed at an audience that were not necessarily... Yeah. The, you know, which is uh, true of... Uh, a lot of that period in which there would be, you know, f you know, it was very frequent in the 80s and 90s for like action figures to be made of movies that kids had no kids business should seeing. not be seeing. Yeah. No, my parents yeah, were like, very, very strict. I've told this story before of how like I couldn't see things that were PG-13. So I literally turned 13. And so like there was no way I was going to ever see that under like the purview of my uh, family. But uh, it also like just PG didn't 13? come up. I don't know what it is. It's something. This it's got to be. It's, be, it's probably R. It has to be R. Because it's po it's post Jaws, like, and that's where, yeah. like, th then you start getting more more of this stuff. There's nothing um, like R rated about the line "sexual tyrannosaurus," and yet that is not a line <laughs> that occurs oh in a PG thirteen or lower film. 
Did uh, they did they damn. did they squeeze in F slurs in PG thirteen movies? Was that one of the <laughs> yeah, ones that was considered so, like mid? Okay. Well, oh my God. Uh, yes. Um, and and it's shocking to go back. It's it's one of those things yeah. that you sort of uh, filter out. But when except when you go back to revisit, I remember uh, last summer, two summers ago, whenever the new Bill and Ted movie came out, I'd never seen the first uh, two Bill and Ted movies, and I just cultural osmosis them. It's like, oh, I've definitely seen those. And then I watched a couple of YouTube clips of like extended scenes. Like, no, 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 no. no. I just. <laughs> I know what death is. I know that they play the game. I was like, I can yeah. tell you the plots of both films, but had never actually seen them. Um, and the movies are tremendous. Like, I I, I love uh, both of them, but I, I, it's the second one, I believe, that, like, in one of the opening scenes, just drops an F-bomb. And, like, they've apologized for it. Like, they, they like, you know, you know, as they've, like, talked about, as they made that third one and recognized, like, how wild it sounds, uh, you know, how tonal, tonally out of uh, character it sounds, even though... It's not because that's just what movies did at the time. I don't think it was just frequency as like a swear word, but it was, I think it'd be more common than you would suspect, even amongst films that you might think would be, I don't know, a, a, not necessarily better than that, but it's just a, it's it's not uncommon of films in the in the 80s for sure. Yeah, I was totally unsurprised by its presence. I guess the thing that I didn't know was what tier of curse word the slur was considered before people were actively <laughs> yeah. thinking about it as a slur. Um, but it's good to know. So that's it's a PG thirteen slur. Got it. Um, <laughs> I will keep this in mind. Versus one of the R rated slurs. Um, and then it's. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, uh, finish up that. Like, I, I, I didn't end up seeing Predator until like probably five years ago. Honestly, like for the first time after doing mm -hmm. a small run of like, oh, gonna watch some alien films. Oh, right. The, that thing was connected somehow, right? I should go back and watch that. But only ever watched the first one, never seen any of the sequels. Um, and came away from it a little like, yeah, that was neat. Um, watching it this time, though, I actually found it a lot more interesting, I think. I think I was just in a different headspace back then about, like, watching especially action movies. Uh, and, yeah, I think this one is actually a very interesting uh, film from that era. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, like, the, the Alien vs. Predator connection is really fascinating to me because that's also where I, like, interact with Predator as a concept for the first time. Um, but the thing that I find so interesting about it is that, like, the movies, despite the fact that, like, their cultural connection is these are the movies where the big fucked up aliens kill a bunch of people. Like that is the, that is the the space that they share in the culture. And that has like moved forward with like things like alien versus predator. Right. But there are like really, really interesting thematic conversations happening between those two films that like no one has ever really mentioned to me before. Like alien, I think is pretty much well, pretty well established as like a film that is like really interested in gender politics and really interested in like gendered performance and like a, a bunch of things. Yeah, that, Geiger that I, liked to make everything look like yeah. apparently there's, there's a story and maybe this is apocryphal, but uh, the, the alien egg in alien, mm -hmm. I came across this while researching this podcast originally looked even more explicitly like a vagina. And yeah. then they, one of the people on set was like, can we add a couple more lines so, you know, there's like a little bit of distance uh, to that? <laughs> Almost as though there was someone on set being like, we know you're horny and we know this is a part of your work, 
uh, like some sort of like onset Geiger consultant. <laughs> it's like, We're gonna like, need you to look. tone it down. <laughs> yes, the alien opens his mouth and a dick does come out. Like we understand that, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that uh, that combined with a film that is as as Rob put about male intimacy and about like like the like masculinity in really interesting ways. I I I'm was shocked and excited about the thematic connections uh, between those two texts. Okay, so here's my question. Here's where I'd like to begin. Yes, I agree. This movie is a really interesting character study of masculinity, uh, machismo. Um, It's a movie in which it spends so much time showing these uh, masculine figures, um, like the peak of like the male form, and then the movie's ultimately solved by somebody being clever. Um, How much is the movie... Do we give it credit for being aware of that? Or is how much are we projecting that onto the film? At times, I wonder that, yes, this reading of Predator is like this subversive work. Is that just a reading we've given to it? Or how much is the work aware that it's doing that as the movie is playing out? I mean, for me, for me, the thing is, this is a this is part of a run of films about that very subject that McTiernan makes. Like, I mean, if you look at what McTiernan is going to do after this is Die Hard, which is also explicitly about male insecurity and a feeling of like dislocation in a changing society. Like, I think I don't know if like when the concept was originally put on paper, that was like <laughs> what they were making. But I do think it is the film that McTiernan shot and like the one that like, I don't think, uh, well, you know, I'm sure I'm sure we'll get to it. But like, if that's not if this isn't intentional, this is not what the film is about. Then what the hell is the Bill Duke monologue to the moon? Uh, like memorializing Blaine doing in this picture? Like it's like there are like all the little odd things that add up to some of the greatness of this film are all these little odd beats uh, mm. that suggest sort of an a critical and outside perspective on the little like cloistered masculine world of these characters. Yeah, I mean, like, also, the film's, like, the most distinctive frame from this movie that has become <laughs> a, a widespread meme on the internet of um, Dylan and uh, Butch fucking clasping hands, flexing as much as they can, um, is, like, immediately establishes the relationship between those two characters as a relationship built on performances of masculinity and <clears> then... <throat> 30 minutes into the movie that completely collapses and is, is revealed to be as hollow as it could be. And it totally shakes the foundation of Dutch and then like the character relationships going forward. And I think that you cannot do something like that without being like, I think there might be, some- Hey guys, I think we're saying something with this movie. Um, so yeah. And also like, I don't know. I think I think that is what the text is, even if it's not intended. I, I also I, I agree. Feels... I, 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 I fully agree with that. I, I think it's just so interesting to consider how we look yeah. at these movies, like over the stretch of of time, and the, how you look at these action movies as a genre, and then this one sticking out for that particular reason. Go ahead, Kato. I was also going to say I feel like um, in a different, uh, more on like on its face film, even the like uh, the 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 original premise is different 
right? Like the the original premise here of uh, Schwarzenegger uh, Dutch's um, team coming in is that it's a rescue mission, but it ends up not being that. And in a different film that is like more gung ho about the stuff that it's portraying, they're just going in to fuck these people up, right? They're going in to get the Sandinistas, right? They're going they in to get the good. commies. The thing is, the thing is, like when Schwarzenegger says that, or Dutch says that line, I'm like. This is not what we do. Right. Yeah, but you're really fucking good at it. And the last 20 minutes have been a pretty spectacular scene. It's showing that you're really good at it. But I think this is one of the things that also makes this a really interesting post-Vietnam film, which is that like so much of this film is about warrior culture and warrior ethos. And one of the things like this movie opens on a deception like that, that hand clasp itself is a lie, right? That like, these are two like uh, blood brothers forged in battle, but it turns out Carl Weathers is a snake that the two men's paths diverge after Vietnam. The backstory is right. They, they were in all these guys were in various forms of the shit during Vietnam, but like coming out of this experience, Schwarzenegger explicitly takes his team of like super warriors and says, the type of war we fought, the type of things we do, I'm ruling out for us. We will use our martial skills for uh, rescue missions and such, but we are not we are not murderers. We are not assassins, etc. Dylan has made the choice that he's going to he's doubled down. He yeah. starts working with uh, CIA and he goes all in on this notion of like black ops everything uh sometimes you know you just people's throats just do what you got to do to get the job done Mm -hmm. yeah and so so much of this like comes down to the fact that like dutch and his men are basically tricked into waging uh a guerrilla strike on an insurgent camp the type of thing they explicitly did not want to be involved with uh post-vietnam and they're tricked by you know, uh, Weathers is this embodiment of of the U.S. government, but also the at issue here is that in some ways Schwarzenegger is h- adhering to a very old warrior code. This notion of there needs to be something redeeming or admirable about battle, about these, about how we use these skills, and this is kind of has a perverse mirror in the predator itself, right? That in a, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, like both they enter the jungle as the like super high tech, hyper competent guys who, when you come down to it, let's be real, are massacring a peasant army essentially. And this is, this is what they've been cutting their teeth on. This is what they do. And it gives them this, uh, this false sense of confidence and prowess uh, that is in a lot of ways just founded on material superiority to their adversaries. And the predator is the mirror of that. Like, you know, they are now, they are now the under-equipped, uh, unready force about to be massacred uh, by, by a higher tech foe. But the same issue recurs, which is that the predator is trying to operate according to some martial code. This entire thing is about trying to find like, some idea of a worthy fight, a worthy way to use these skills. And that also ends up proving to be hollow here. Uh, and, and so I think this is this is one of the things that I, I really like find interesting about the film as a, as a post-Vietnam film, which is this examination of like the relationship between the military, the idea of the warrior, and the role that technology plays 
in our conception of like competence and prowess. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, the film over and over sort of strikes at sort of a, that hierarchy. There's the moment after they have the, the battle at the village where, uh, Carl Weathers, character is asked to turn around and then, uh, you know, there's a scorpion on, on his shoulder that it kind of gets stabbed. And like, there's a sequence where the predator, the exam, you know, shoots at like uh, an animal that he thinks might be, might be Dutch. And like a lot of this movie is sort of establishing like, well, to, 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 to a different, you know, all along the chain, there is something that is going to treat you like an ant and all of this shit that you've trained for that you think makes you prepared, that makes you superior. Well, actually it doesn't mean jack shit. <laughs> like, like put in front of the right force. And that's what makes like a lot of the movies themes like feel, I think, I think it's part of like what makes it, there are action movies that are fun to watch. Like the experience you had Rob of there are movies I watch that are just movies to have some drinks with and go, damn, that looks cool. I like that design. I think part of what makes the predator resonant still is whether it fully intended to or not, like the way it operates and comments on the aesthetic that it plays with, right? Like the fact that it has this sort of commentary right after it has in, in a sequence, that entire village sequence is just a bombastic out of, I mean, it's well shot. Like it looks, you know, coolish, makes them all seem like d- deadly brute assassins, but like it feels tonally out of sync with like the commentary, but that's why it works because it, it because it does ultimately then feel out of sync with like the commentary it's doing about, you know, what these characters represent to, to one another um, and more broadly in the genre. Cause I mean, I think, Oh, please Kato. Uh, I was just going to say, cause in a, in a different film in the genre, that fight happens at the end. It is the final fight and they come out victorious, right? Like yeah. it is the biggest, most bombastic kind of moment like bombast in that in that way of just like the most explosions like literally on screen at one time mm-hmm. uh but that happens how i mean it's like 30 20 minutes in like early 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 and you're like yeah. oh shit well, this movie's surprisingly long i was right. su- surprised it was movies of this like kind of genre pieces are uh, let's barely skate to 90 minutes and right. like, it was like an hour 47 um mm-hmm. and but it, it, it gives it space to breathe which yeah. is why it's allowed to do exactly what you're saying, Kato, where something where comes, especially upon a rewatching, it's like, wow, this is really early in the this film. Really, before- yeah. Well, because they were they're trying to, that's just set up, right? That is just set up yeah. for the inversion that happens when the ed- the the predator, you know, finally starts uh, interacting with this group of people. Oh, yeah, that's the thing I was going to wrap around to was the hollowness you were talking about. And like the thing about the code that I find interesting, like the, the it isn't just that, that the code is hollow, right? Is that it's hollow, and it will get you killed. Uh, if it is, if if you have a code, it will get you killed. If you have a code and it turns out to be hollow, that will also get you killed. Uh, which is one of the the things I find interesting about this movie, right? The the way that um, you know Billy is like just decides I'm going to fight the predator in ritual combat, and we don't even get to see that fight. He just gets murked off screen, and then he's actually I think the only character who gets murked fully off screen um of the of the main set which i find interesting uh one of the like well yeah one of the you know we see one of the characters dragged like there are varying degree there's not a ton of like graphic depiction for as as much like adjacent gore as they're in the Mm -hmm. film a lot of it is after the fact or or in the shadows as opposed to on camera and sort of gratuitous but you're right that i think except uh, for billy's death is the one that yeah Yeah. becomes the Mm -hmm. like off-screen scream 
Yeah, Mac gets eat. Mac gets fucking. Oh my god! Exploded Mac, on the, onto the camera itself. Like, yeah, truly. Mac, Mac gets frame three thirteen. It's not good. It's 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 yeah. a bad scene for him. Uh, and the same goes for uh, um, oh god, Slurman. Blaine. Yeah, Jesse Blaine. Ventura. Blaine. Blaine, Jesse Blaine. Yes. Yeah, the same option to Blaine. Uh, Poncho gets like jabbed. Um, but yeah. I think it's interesting that Billy gets owned off screen. But then the final thing that the Predator does, the Predator gets his ass beat by a worthy foe. And instead of just taking his L, he's like, I'm going to nuke myself. <laughs> Get owned, asshole. <laughs> and it reveals it to be hollow and in doing so quite literally kills him. Uh, and, and I find that I find that aspect of the film interesting. Uh, but Rob, your, your question. Um. No, I was just sort of thinking about the the pacing of this film overall, and I do think one an interesting. I think one reason this film stands up is like nobody knows what a predator movie is yet, and so McTiernan invests a lot of time in this bait and switch of like we're going to send these guys off on this like weird like jungle rescue mission we all come to it knowing that like there's something else in that jungle <laughs> yeah, this, yeah but, it has a very thing like opening where we see the spaceship mm-hmm. but nothing else like it's only the occasional you know the heat mapping that is telling mm-hmm. us well there's something else going on but otherwise you know hold on to your butts yeah and, and so like like it has this really i think something that works really well is the sort of onion like layers of these guys realize that they don't know what is going on. Right. The fact that Dutch is increasingly starting to suspect that like there's just all these inconsistencies in Dylan's story about what's going on. There's the fact they come across all those butchered bodies uh, like in the, in the forest and everyone, everyone knows like, this is just, this isn't normal. This doesn't like the people we're fighting don't do this. Nobody, nobody here does this. What like what what are we in, encountering? Uh, and then the 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 sl- like the reveal after what should be the climactic fight uh, for these guys after they've after they sort of raided this village, uh, the realization now that they are being actively hunted at all. It all really works well in a way that I think becomes really hard for movies to sustain as they get like franchised. Uh, mm-hmm. Where increasingly it becomes like, okay, we need to get to the part where, uh, you know, obviously they move to the now, kills faster yeah, because, yeah. because the, what this movie does so well is, and it's rare, it, you know, especially in horror, horror adjacent, like sci-fi horror is uh, these are generally smart characters doing smart things. And we're still, we learn the rules alongside them. I think the movie's really well paced at your understanding you don't have more information than the character. You have a little bit, right? Like you, you, you get the heat map. You get a little sense of that's how it's tracking. But you, you're learning what the characters are learning along with them. And as those rules are defined and create a space of what this creature can and can't do, like that's really fun. And, usually, and the movie's not even really obvious about it. Like there's only like one instance when it does when he, you know, uh, Dust discovers that uh, the mud like seems to make it so he can't see him and he does utter like he can't see me but it's rare it's <laughs> otherwise the movie is like pretty good at like hey like we're not going to spell out every bit about what's happening you're just going to mm-hmm. pick up on pick up on aesthetically like how we are framing things and it it makes it a really rewarding movie to watch the first time as you establish that rule set and on rewatch it's even more satisfying because you can better appreciate the setups and payoffs You're like, Oh shit. Like I didn't fully grasp. 
this is what was doing and what, you know, how that paid off later in the film. Can I ask, I'm just curious what people made of the squad overall because i think what's so interesting to me is like i mean at this point i've seen the movie enough now where i'm like i love all these little bastards <laughs> but at the same time I, I revisit that helicopter scene a lot is like they go out of their mm-hmm. way to make this like one of the most cringy and least appealing groups of people oh my God, that like so you fun. can possibly imagine and not- yet also like i i come away from it feeling like the the movie is is constantly also towing this line of like who these characters are versus how they present to each other is is part of this uh, is part of this film and i'm just curious masculinity as performance like is that entire like helicopter scene do you ever uh did y'all know that hawkins girlfriend has a massive fucking puss (laughs) do y'all know know (laughs) billy just staring him down yeah so fucking funny it, uh, the second time, the second time it happens, where Billy just stares him down until oh, until he just gets so awkward that he slowly slinks away, and then Billy's like, "Oh fuck, that was really good." It's, <laughs> it's so it makes me it makes me really like Billy's probably my favorite character in this movie. Uh, I like I like his just like I feel like he has a good relationship with everybody. Um, I, I appreciate his presence. He's he's a real scene stealer. It almost felt like the scene that you're supposed to be like, okay, and this is the order they die in, as you count like how kind of assholey mm-hmm. they each are to each other, mm-hmm. which is, really makes uh, a later moment with Mac and his kind of as Blaine. Blaine does does is Blaine the first one? Yes. Blaine yeah. Is, right. Blaine is the first one to get murked. Yeah. I mean, the, he said the slur, so he has to get murked first. <laughs> Wait, no, uh, no, no, no. It's uh, it's. Oh uh, no! What's his face? Hawkins first. Hawkins, Hawkins goes first. Hawkins goes first, uh, and then, yes, Blaine is searching for the thing that killed Hawkins, and he gets shot in the chest. (laughs) Uh, uh, But also, there's a moment with him and Carl Weathers' character, Dylan, I always forget, uh, where I was like, oh, is this guy also racist? Uh, Which then they like, you know, they end up wrapping back around with Max character being like, no, actually, they were friends. He just hated that guy because he was part of the CIA. (laughs) Like, (laughs) right. Like, he's just like being an asshole to to Carl Weathers because he's like part of a a part of of the branch of the army that he doesn't like. Right. They're like showing these these movies. Right. These movies frequently moralize use more like moralizing is a way to tell you like what's going to happen next with these characters. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. especially when you were watching a movie that is just about. Well, I'm gonna watch these people get butchered. Like yeah. that this this is a this is a sla- this is a slasher movie with a like a really cool character design and a lot more characterization going on than you're gonna get in your average slasher movie that is that is truly just a watch you know a reason to watch a bunch of teenagers get you know murked in different ways. <laughs> but um, I think this movie like has elements of that, right. but part of what makes it smarter or uh, more more watchable is that it's not as clear cut A to B. That it that is doing that it presents that scene that feels like that kind of scene. Right. Where like, all right, well, I know what the order is going to be <laughs> once the predator shows up, and uh, that's just not the case. Because I think it's actually, you know, as we we've, we've discussed, mm-hmm. it's it's more about establishing the performances these characters do to one another yeah. to, in many ways, show kindness and friendship, mm-hmm. but in in the only ways that they they kind of know how. Um, and and if you look, looking back, I've seen you know that. 
the uh, like the arm wrestling scene is like so iconic and like gift form and and images on the internet. It's one of those things where uh, the 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 multiplied number of people who know what that have seen that clip on the internet but have never seen Predator is probably exponential. Um, rewatching it, like it lingers on that initial clasp for a yeah. really long time. It's like so it is long. a full couple of seconds where. <laughs> I thought I, you know, the gift, the gifts are sped up, right? They go faster. It's like clap over, and here, and the, the the camera lingers just long enough for it to we feel like a little weird uh, in a way that I that I appreciated, and it feel it, it's it's those sorts of dimensions and depth to the film that it's like, oh, you're doing something here by lingering in in a way that I don't know, like is is a through line uh, for for the rest of the film. Well, and also like so that that grip. Is so, and this is how you know this relationship is bad. They immediately, like Dutch and Dylan, are immediately like in a battle in some ways for dominance of, mm-hmm. of like, and and obviously, is Schwarzenegger coming off his like it, it, the at, like the tail end of his bodybuilding era? Uh, he's gonna win no matter how <laughs> no matter how thick Carl Weathers is at this moment. But like, but it contrasts with the fact that like. All the little challenges you see guys giving each other on the helicopters are also these weird, like fucked up expressions of affection, mm-hmm. right? Like the dude who uh, checks, uh, he like he like whips the thing at um, God, is it Hawkins, the the nerd with the glasses, glasses with the yeah, yeah. With the, the bad. Uh, he whips jokes, the thing yeah. at him, and the guy sort of snatches it out of out of midair and slowly like smirk at each other. Right? It's all these ways of like checking. You good? You good? You got Blaine offering everybody his shitty chaw, right? And nobody <laughs> wants it, but it is his way of being like, we all want, we all want this chaw, right? And by the way, I'm not gay. Hey, just so you, just so everyone knows, I'm not, I'm not gay. There's, there's absolutely nothing like I, I'm not in love with Mac. What are you talking about? What? Who said that? Yeah, exactly. So, like, hey, that guy's gay. Actually, whoever <laughs> said that, that's the fucking gay one. <laughs> but, but I think it's like it, it sort of draws this distinction like immediately. Whereas, like, Dutch and Dylan are friendly, but immediately there's this undercurrent of like the one trying to like control the other. And then within the squad, you've got these like really awkward like bonding rituals like playing out which are partly about like testing each other but they're mm-hmm. also partly about like it is the only way they know how to check in on each other uh right. as well yeah you can't say how you're doing you have to have a goofy <laughs> bit in order to or to accomplish it and it's it's stuff like this that makes the moments where the, the characters start to crack to be profoundly satisfying and like that is no better exemplified than by mac who you know, just his face is, you know, just just stone like it's expressive, but in a, you know, only when he chooses to be. And so as the movie goes on and more of them are being taken out and right before he goes where he is just sort of I mean, he is just sweating. Like he is he is losing it. Like it makes it really effective when it's like, all right, well, if Max losing it, then yeah. uh, it, it makes it much more impactful than. Um, you know, your traditional sort of characters that end up in a in a story like this where of course they're gonna be spooked. Uh, but they're able to probably fall back on that code, right? It's partly performance, it's partly code. It's an operating structure to make it through 
a sequence sequence where you sort of disassociate to some degree. Well, we're just doing this because this is the job. These are my skills. And then part of what the predator does is break that sequence. And it's like, okay, now what? Um, and then they're sort of like they're that inability to connect is sort of like revealed by the fact that the predator strips away all of the veneer. It's like, no, nothing that you know is operable here. Nothing of this is going to help you. You're probably all going to die. And uh, you can't help but be scared because that's literally all that you have in front of you. Mm-hmm. I don't remember, but I, I just had a question. Are they as profligate with the ammo when they're raiding the village as in the scene? Because like the scene where yes. they crack is obviously them just unloading into the bush. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, they are. Uh, okay. Every single time. If someone gets shot in this movie, they get shot eight times. Yeah. <laughs> that is like that is that is what is happening. Uh, also, the again, the thing I found interesting here in comparison to like modern action films is like this movie feels like it utterly rejects precision. Like like people yes. are not cool because they are capable or precise. They are cool because they can carry the big guns and hold the trigger for a really long Until time. Until the end, though, right? Like are. this movie is split into two halves where it it, it is that movie, um, as you were suggesting, thematically and like aesthetically, and then. Like the only way to survive is to actually be, you know, to have a 10 minute preparation sequence with Dutch where he is being as precise as you could be in order to create us a potentially, you know, survivable situation for for himself. Uh, Let's take a quick break and then uh, we will uh, touch on some questions. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. And we're back. Ren, you said you wanted to bring something up quick. I found the one-liners in this movie uh, (laughs) kind of fascinating. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. of how fucking weird and awkward they feel in comparison to everything else. Um, they come kind of out of nowhere. Uh, and the the camera lingers. It feels like every single time someone does a one-liner in this movie, it feels like the camera lingers on it in the same way it lingers on the clasping hands for like three seconds too long to be comfortable. I think about the when Dutch stabs the guy uh, and like impales him to a wall and he goes, stick, stick around, around and then just keeps moving in a way that like there's not another act of violence in that movie that feels like him stabbing someone and going stick around. And then the, the camera holds for a second too long and then keeps going. Uh, and I find that really, really fascinating. Did they do how many other action stars got that treatment? Do you remember from the so Ren, like if you go back, if you just were to search on YouTube, for like commando one liners like this is yeah. there, there was a. This is something that Schwarzenegger did in a lot of his films in which the camera would linger as he spit out a one liner. They clearly they've written a hundred of them on set. They film all of them and then they just like 
pick the best ones and put mm-hmm. put it in the film. And Predator is a movie that has a handful of them, but there are other movies like Commando, which is essentially a movie built around right. him doing one-liners in between action sequences. But was that exclusive to Schwarzenegger or was that more just like an 80s action movie thing? I can't – I don't have a precise – I feel like it's a thing that I associate the most with Schwarzenegger for sure. Like at least the ones that I could that come to mind all his movies. Well, part of it because you got directors trying to like navigate the fact that throughout the eighties his like skills as an actor and English speaker are just much shakier, right? Yeah, and like they can get away with it in Terminator because you know as he even sort of admitted with his accent and the way he spoke English there was kind of an unnatural precision and rhythm to it that like fit the character really well. But in a lot of so much of this other stuff, it's like, I guess we throw quips at him and like try to try to make it stick. But I also remember it just being a quippier era. But I think that's in part because like the action comedy is more of a thing in this era mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. This is like, um, yeah, this is like, you know, Beverly Hills cop and um, yeah. where like the action comedy mashup is like one of the more popular genres at the box office. Um, Big Trouble in Little China was around mm-hmm. this time, wasn't it? I, I don't, am I allowed to admit that I've never seen that movie, which is like, doesn't make any sense. I know, it's I know, okay. I know. It's okay, I only saw it like last week. Like, I know, it was like, what, three weeks ago? Four weeks ago? I claim ago? to be God, a Carpenter fan. But I've, I've always, <laughs> well, I've kept like it on, ago, I've, yeah. I've not watched it because I thought at one point maybe we would watch it for something on here and it would be fun to talk mm-hmm. about having never seen it before. I We mm-hmm. can all, look, I think Patrick. How do I make a connection want, from Prey to the Big Trouble in Little China? <laughs> go, to, go do some IMDb searching, Kato. <laughs> you need to have the experience movie. I did of getting super hyped about this movie. That everyone's like built up in your head, and then you watch it, and you're like, "Oh, see, that's what I'm right. worried about." That's I, it's it's one of the reasons I've never watched it, Rob, <laughs> is because I I saw all the other I Carpenter stuff at in an uh, young enough. They like I knew they were good or had heard they were good, was still able to approach them on their own terms and find a lot of enjoyment in it. And then the problem is I've waited too long now. Now it's like it's maybe is it better that I never see it and I can just keep <laughs> have the beat, let that be a long running bit for myself as opposed to having your experience, which I feel is like more likely, which is to see it and go, oh, well, the, the stuff that I just kind of picked up on over the years, like I guess I could have just left it there instead of seeing the movie. But I'm. I'm terrified of break. It's like going back to playing an old video game. Like, oh shit, that that wasn't it. That's not very good anymore. Um, but I don't it know. Is, it is a movie with exactly the relationship to race that you would expect it to have, and also <laughs> a totally different relationship to race than you would expect it to have. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. It is a disorienting movie in many ways. It's also uh, somehow every video game ever after that movie stole something from that movie. Yep. Oh, that yeah, the impact that movie <laughs> had. Yep, yep. Is wild. Un- un- <laughs> yeah, it's unbelievably huge. Um, this this was this question was related to uh, some stuff we were talking about before. This uh, <laughs> comes in from so. Hi, I'm Bree. They them friends and I, all homosexuals, watched Predator the other night and agreed nice. that this is what camp is for straight men. As in the mode slash aesthetic, not the outdoor activity. Thoughts? Yes. <laughs> yes. What? This movie's total camp. Yes. <laughs> yes. All the all the awkward pauses, all of the one-liners, like, yes, right. 1,000%. This is camp for straight men. And, like, it's... It's got that ironic twist of it, too, right? Like, there's... Right. The... It's... 
Because it's not taking it's not taking the 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 action totally seriously, right? Like it, like we've talked about before, like something about the way that those uh, action scenes play out is like this is about a technological might that then gets subverted by uh, mm-hmm. the alien later on. Um, so yeah, I think that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. It's it's playing with gender in the same in in a, in a similar way. Mm-hmm. Um, that I find very entertaining. Rob, looks like you have thoughts. No, I just, I think the one area is that McTiernan might make movies that are too good to be pure, like, to be, like, totally camp. Like, I think the, the problem is this thing can, like, wink, this thing winks and nods a lot at what it is doing. Uh, but it is not a film I would, I would go so far as to call, like, camp. Uh, but I think it might be because, like, there's, be, like traditions of B pictures that this thing is like right on the on the border of. I, I also think that it, this is slightly underselling camp as like a, a the social utility of camp in art. Um, where like I think that camp generally has a, a slightly negative association with it of like frivolity. Um, but I because of its playfulness, right? It is an inherently playful thing, uh, and I think it is often associated with like frivolity. But I think it can also make very sharp criticisms mm-hmm. uh, and, and very prescient ones. And I think that like, for me, predator manages to be that kind of camp that is not just like winking and nodding, but is like actually trying to have a conversation um, through, through that irony. I think, but like the, the one thing I'll say is if I think about the, the, the versions of this get really campy. I think about like where the Rambo series ends up. And I'm like, uh oh, Sly, you're making camp now. It's become camp, and so I think that's the, that's the one place I like. I, I agree with everything you just said there, but I'm also I do kind of wonder if, in the context of that time, mm-hmm. you saw what like was being <laughs> what sort of was being extruded well, yeah, this, from, this is, from this, Hollywood. This is- yeah, this is this is taking a high concept genre exercise and taking it really seriously. So I think it it, it exudes. I don't think the camp comparison um, or description is necessarily wrong, but I, to Rob's point of relative to other th- movies that were coming out or television that was coming out in the era, this is taking this is like a very serious take on a high concept idea, and so. But- I guess the one thing I might also, but my cop to here though is that we say that now because by this point we know this is a classic and like yeah. def- definitive of the genre, much like Die Hard will be a year later. But both of them might be to a degree exercises in camp that were just so well executed that like their reputation just grows uh, into becoming like classic cinema. Because if you look at Die Hard too, it's like this motherfucker just does not stop like quipping through this entire adventure he blows up <laughs> he blows up an entire building uh and then we cut to like the dumb the dumb police chief uh being a dipshit so we get i i don't know it's uh like i think it's a it's a great frame to put on this uh, on this film uh it, it just gets tougher to judge context for these things to some extent uh in part because the industry has changed so much uh right. since then it's harder to you know, like when we were when we were naming like the action comedy, right? And like Patrick, you cited Beverly Hills Cop. I was actually thinking the same thing, but didn't feel quite precise. And the problem is, none of us remember the bog standard genre exercises from right because those those right? are the They're movies that are elevated in, yep. as classics, and the rest right. are just they just littered the 
you know, the the, the video store that, that yeah. you went to. And it's like, well, I've seen Beverly Hills Cop 25 times. I, I don't know. I'll get the one that's next to it that looks, you know, whatever the low rent version <laughs> oh, of that is. Oh, no. Beverly Hills Cop 3 was the only one here. <laughs> <laughs> and then you turn to the guy from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. How do you end up watching Predator 2, uh, you know, seven or eight times? It's because, well, Predator was rented out, and they also made a Predator 2. Predator 2 has its... It's a... It's a bad movie, but it has Austin Walker. I I don't want to put words. uh, He's defended it to me. It can be defended. It can be defended. There are lots of. And and that that is actually kind of uh, Predator 2 is where the the AVP connection comes from. Fox owned. Right. uh, Predator and and Alien. And at the end of Predator 2, when uh, Danny Glover has proven that he is a worthy warrior uh, (laughs) to to the Predator tribe, uh, uh, he. He is. He looks in the spaceship, and there is a uh, a skull of a of a xenomorph um, in there, and then Tight. that leads to. It, oh, it is one of the all time. Oh, like like crossovers didn't happen. That's not a thing. Right. That was comics only. Right. Uh, that that is like a huge part of why Predator Two is is believed to be. I mean, again, it can be defended, but like that ending bit is like sticks out really far in people's brains because. It was incredible to have been suggested that these characters could exist in the same universe. And then it, when it became much of comics and, and eventually became movies decades later. But um, one thing is really interesting. This will be probably something we talk about more in in Prey and especially the, some of the conversation around Prey. And I'm not going to spoil anything about that film. But part of what makes Predator interesting and such an interesting revisit is because in the same way we're having the discussion of like what is it – how does this movie feel – separated from the context of when it when it came out how does it feel looking at that and like from a 2022 lens and what it's doing with genre is that if you were i think most people's memories of predator involve none of what we're talking about right like it is nothing about like masculinity like i i picked i only read about that stuff it wasn't until revisiting the film that it becomes so obvious to me upon um, upon rewatch i do not think that's like if you were just coming to this as a kid watching it, it operates just as like a big bombastic, like killer, uh, like creature feature. And so I think for a lot of people, what has made the conversation around Prey, a movie that does some interesting things with like these specific traits that we're talking about in terms of how much it forwards it rather than kind of backgrounding it um, um, and making that sort of like core to the experience of watching it. Uh, I think Predator is, is a movie that I think for a lot of people, they categorize it they may, it may be one of their favorite movies rob but it still just sits as like a big bombastic action movie in which mm-hmm. schwarzenegger kills an alien at the end not necessarily a movie they consider to be like an interesting exercise mm-hmm. in like themes um which is something that i've only really come to appreciate as i've gotten older and revisited it and even had the language to watch the movie from from that direction mm-hmm. um Let's see. Uh, uh, do you think the f- this comes in from somebody else? Um, unfortunately, I don't have names attached to this because it came from a Google form. Uh, do you think the firefight with the gorillas at the beginning is deliberately kind of bad and massively over the top to lure audiences into a false sense of security and give them a false impression of what kind of movie it is? I love a good 80s action movie, but the shootout has no sense of spatial geography. It consists mostly of stuntmen jumping off of platforms. <laughs> do you think this was deliberate or do you think Matiernan and company really thought it was awesome? Or do you think the scene is actually just straight up good? Yeah, I mean, I think I mentioned earlier that I feel like the amount of bombast there is meant to like directly uh, 
contrast with how much all of that bombast is not going to help them in the end, right? Like the the amount of firepower they have and the way they show it off there is like ridiculous in a lot of ways. Uh, and then there is so many scenes of oh, ah! <laughs> like, it's incredible. Like I was having a beer. I was like, I'm just gonna take a sip every time two characters are shot in the across air. the yeah. screen in the air. <laughs> Here's the thing about that scene that makes me fall on the it's intentional side. How does the the attack in the gorilla camp like? How do they? How, what is the first thing we see of the gorilla camp? Um, we see a dude executed. Murder? Yeah. yeah, yeah. We see a dude executed, and the film does not shy away from the fact that it is an execution. It is one of the most startling and discongruous acts of violence in this entire movie because everything else has this sense of bombast to it or this like you know this the sci-fi lens right you have heads heads exploding blah 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 at the beginning of this movie a man gets shot in the head and the film understands what it means for someone to be shot in the head and then the preceding scene is uh, sorry, the proceeding scene, not preceding scene, uh, is just a bunch of dudes firing as many bullets as possible. Dudes rock. Chests as you possible. Know, give a gun. Dudes <laughs> rock. Well, and 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 that the these the cut right after the execution, it 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 cuts to Dutch, and you can tell that it's like it is it has impacted him, right? right. Like there, mm-hmm. he like Schwarzenegger has a sort of like look on his face of not just like anger, but like. He was disturbed at what he had just seen. And like it, right. the, the camera lingers on that for a moment before it then moves into the action scene mm-hmm. itself. And I think I think that definitely that reinforces the point you're making. The movie understands the different levels of violence that it's depicting and, and why and when it chooses to, to show it. And uh, I think it almost mirrors uh, at the very end of the movie where Dutch picks up the rock and he's going to go smash the predator's head in. And then he looks at it and he's like, fuck. And he just doesn't. Uh, and then it leads to the Predator, you know, blowing itself up in a nuclear explosion. But <laughs> I do find there are moments where characters are given the opportunity to do things that I think the audience would associate with real violence. Uh, shooting someone in the head, smashing someone's head with a rock versus like blowing a guy up with a laser gun. And I, I find it very interesting that at the moment where Dutch is offered real violence, uh, he rejects it. Um after seeing that execution, I think it kind of recolors the um, gorilla fight for me. But also, you know, it makes it feel like the gorilla fight is not treating those characters as human. Those characters mm-hmm. are not treated as as real people in the same way that the dude being executed on the ground is a real person. Uh, or Mac and Dutch are real people. Uh, and I think that does, like, it feels uncomfortable. Um, in a way that I, I wonder if it could be intentional. I think something I just had to look up because I want to make sure that context was uh, correct around this to some extent. So the second Rambo movie comes out in 85. And I think that's how, uh, how far. How far is that from the first one? What's uh, the distance? I want to say that might be like six years, honestly. Uh but that would make question. some sense yeah, because the years, notion years. the note because Rambo 2 is when it becomes an action film as opposed to like a character study of like right. PTSD. Sorry, yeah. So so First Blood is 82. And then Rambo First Blood Part 2 comes out in 85. 
Okay. And that is the one where he goes and wins Vietnam after the fact. <laughs> it's that series is fucking and, <laughs> and it is and it is that kind of movie by the way. It's like it's all the attack on the rebel camp in that movie. Uh yep. is just like this kind of action. And so I think like McTiernan in this scene is he is shooting a scene from a different type of movies where these dudes are usually the triumphant heroes and they get their little triumph. And that is not the end of this picture. And I think Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. to me, to me, it has always felt intentional that he shoots the kind of like, oh, man, there's just a lot of bad brown people in this fucking (laughs) village and we got to smoke them. And he shoots that scene. And then the rest of the film is like watching these guys get, obliterated uh and and hunted down uh in like the most cold-blooded fashion possible so i've I've always sort of felt like the the attack on the rebel camp is like very intentionally mirroring a lot of like action and war movie tropes uh that predator is in dialogue with and is in the process of subverting Mm -hmm. and also like the immediate almost immediate fallout of it is like shit we weren't so like this isn't the sort of stuff we're supposed to do right there is no there's barely a moment of like triumphant like celebration at all except from like for a, a bit uh you get an exclamation from carl weathers character being like there's so much more here than i thought we would get like there's so much more intel mm-hmm. but that's the only thing everyone else is and especially dutch is all like immediately like what this something was wrong here right um even though during the scene itself, it's very much like, look at how big we can make these explosions and how many people we can set on fire simultaneously. <laughs> uh, one thing I wanted to zero in on that I definitely had not internalized until this rewatch was the movie goes almost 30 minutes without any dialogue. It yep. becomes essentially, it's not a silent movie, but it is a movie in which Everything is communicated through the actions of Dutch, what the Predator is or isn't doing. And it's not quite 30 minutes, but it's pr- it's pretty close. Mm-hmm. And it's really only punctuated by the presence of a, a really kind of unnecessary one-liner. <laughs> like, you're one <laughs> ugly motherfucker, I think, is one of them. Um, it's a funny line. His execution is fun, But it, it sort of pierces this, like, otherwise really, like, just... Does not experience, does not exist in these movies. Like it is just a really long sequence in which you are watching two people prepare, like do the the pre- preparatory montage, but at, you know, done over the course of mm-hmm. roughly thirty minutes. Because even once the action kicks into gear, there's no reason for Dutch to speak to this thing, and we don't know if this this creature can speak back anyway. Um, and I just found that extraordinary as an exercise to have the film be that quiet, even when it's being loud. Yeah. I I think that if you total the amount of time in this film that is silent, I actually think you like where no one is speaking. I think you actually get closer to like 50 minutes because it's not just the fight with the predator at the end. There are like long segments of this film where people are just walking through terrain awkwardly too. I think that is the other like thing that I find really interesting about these like what the film is doing with with location and with the idea that we aren't supposed to be doing this. These guys are bad at moving through this space. Like there are points <laughs> where they are very awkwardly like 
actors are very clearly stumbling over plants in the like plants and rocks in the environment in a way that feels if it wanted to portray these characters as perfectly competent it would not show them stumbling over rocks every 35 seconds while still trying to keep up the appearance of competence mm. because like they have all these hand signals and they're like oh, go forward none of that shit matters or pays off and it's just a bunch of dudes quietly bumbling around an environment they have no familiarity with. It's it's funny that that works thematically for the movie because in reading about the production, it was largely because they just kept they couldn't walk straight in the environment <laughs> yeah. they were shooting in. Like, and apparently, famously, this was like such a nightmare for the person in that ultimately like went into the predator suit. They couldn't see out of it, and so uh, I guess there was one scene. When uh, the 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 predator is beating the shit out of Dutch, in which the the they couldn't really rehearse the fights because they they could didn't really he just couldn't see anything inside the suit. And one time he messed up the order of swings, which were much more critical because he couldn't see. Um, and just took like the big metal like I don't know what you call that was on right. one of his arms, like and just just fucking bashes schwarzenegger in, in the head with it um and they, and they would they would have like the rehearsals were him having to memorize where all the rocks were because then when he had to actually do it on camera and it's why a lot of there's so many cuts during those sequences because like otherwise it's just a lot of footage of this giant person slipping and falling i over and over every they only do it a couple times in the movie but there are a couple of sequences where you see the the predator kind of like jumping between rocks and it's yeah. sort of doing it in a i don't know like a little like fancy and free sprightly. like it looks so sprightly like, yes yes, yes. Yeah. and it would crack and it was clearly in slow motion because they didn't have that many shots of it <laughs> but every time they did it it's so um a, a diametrically opposed to the way it's presented as like Otherwise, a kind of Terminator that it's going to slowly, like, encroach upon you in a close shot. But when it's off kind of doing its own thing, it's like, dee-dee-dee, dee-dee-dee. So, and it made me laugh every time. It reminds me a bit of, like, it's the Jaws thing, right? Where mm-hmm. the conception of how this is going to work involves a much more active antagonist that you can, like, see doing stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the process, it just proves so unworkable that they end up probably making a more memorable movie because of it like for me the most memorable like these guys sort of dialing in on like what they're up against is i think this is i think it's mac who realizes that like he sees the visual disturbance in the trees Mm -hmm. it's mac where yeah where he points it out yeah and 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 bill duke is so still like because he recognizes now that like we can't spook it like we like just don't like like you know everyone play cool but it is up there and so like we get this idea of the predator as being this like really still watchful terrifying opponent because it is so deliberate because it is such a silent patient observer and you probably don't get that characterization that idea of what the predator like being a predator uh you know what makes it so scary you probably don't get that as much if the original concept had worked out well where like all that composite shooting we're, we're going to work out and the predator suit we're going to be uh a big a bigger part of this instead by like sort of shooting around the absence of the predator as an active antagonist you end up being again like much more psychologically effective as effectively these guys feel like they are 
at war with the jungle itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's worth. I want to read uh, how they the, how they achieve the invisibility effect because this comes at a really interesting period in which you know we are uh, before like visual effects computers are are like really interacting with films mm-hmm. of this scale. Um, and so uh, the invisibility invisibility effect is achieved by having someone wear a bright red suit because of the farthest opposite of the green of the jungle in the blue of the sky, the size of the predator. The red was removed with chroma key techniques, leaving an empty area. The take was then repeated without the actors using a 30% wider lens on the camera. When the two takes were combined optically, the jungle from the second take filled in the empty area. Because the second take was filmed with a wider lens, a vague outline of the alien could be seen with the background scenery bending around its shape. Which, (laughs) all that shit done with CG now, and it's fine. (laughs) And, And, you know, it's a little cheesy, but it's just... It's so fucking cool how they achieve that. Apparently, like a bunch of the sparks that happen during a lot of the sequences where the predators shooting things were, those are not on set. Those are rotoscoped. Like those were those were put onto the film wow. later and are just not present in the scene, which is w- wild. Like because it looks so good. It's, it's the kind gorgeous. of stuff that it's gorgeous and feels real, even if it's quote unquote fake or or in in many ways it is acting similarly to how CG effects work. But whereas our brains can recognize so quickly CG effects, if you watch enough of those films, I'm always jealous of folks like my wife who are like, well, doesn't that look like computers? And she's like, no. I'm like, oh, my brain is broken. Like, I can see, I've seen too much of this. And there's something about the, it's part of why I love this era of filmmaking before you could even do anything like this, because you can have sequences that they can trick you. Like, I know it's fake, but like, I buy, I buy the reality of it because the techniques used just make an imprint differently than the way computers are used now. I also, I, I just feel like it, I, I have fully realized that like there's sometimes I'm like, yep, these are these are effect shots. But there's also a ton of like composite and effect shots that I just no longer can see. Like when you actually <laughs> see how extensively <laughs> oh, and trivially yeah. yes. they're used, yes. like even on sitcoms where it's like, oh, you know, that like office they're in there. Yeah, that's not that's not a real set. And I'm like, what? There's no, there's no office. Like no, oh, we, fil- is like- oh, we filmed at nighttime, uh, and then just changed the backgrounds to to right, you know, to the day. <laughs> that stuff that like so so like I definitely am not one of those folks who like I, I'm more paranoid about it than I'm actually confident them identifying mm-hmm. like uh, effect shots. But I think for me it's more what I miss is location shooting. Yeah, I think it is the I fact agree. that they're actually out in a jungle like gives it a really distinctive oh. character, and like when we get that culminating fight uh at night like that thing is lit up like the bridge scene in apocalypse now right like it's all like phosphorus flares and like smoke on the water and like the the mud glistening against like the eerie the eerie light of the flares all that shit is amazing and like i think it is part be is partly because like the filmmakers are having to figure out how do we split this night Mm. and shoot this scene uh and make it legible and you end up with a a really remarkable denouement where if you not that much happens, but it just mm-hmm. feels like a lot of shit is happening because the way it's shot. You have to put the guys in the place. The way that you got to make a movie, you got to take some weird guys and you got to put them in a place. <laughs> and if you do that, a, a movie spontaneously emerges. If you get enough <laughs> weird guys and put them in a place. This is my theory of film. <laughs> uh it is I, I i agree rob I, I think like you can 
even if there are elements of this I don't know what the split is between like whether they had to do any pickups on sets that were dressed to look like a jungle. I don't know. And but it's a testament to enough of the on location stuff that you can't know. And I was reading that uh I guess you know, obviously they portray this movie as damn it's sweaty out there. Like they're just they're just melting. This movie was this it was freezing. They had heat lamps all over the set Wait, at what? all times. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The jungle was compl- cold? The jungle was cold. Um and now this might have been exclusive maybe exclusively the night scenes. Um but 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 uh like when they were doing uh like the sequences where Dutch is in the oh, mud man. apparently went on for three weeks and uh he is just frozen in mud. Like uh, the, the the shooting of you know, I feel I think you can feel, and this is like a, you know, maybe this is a bullshit, you know, older person thing. Although Ren just articulated a point that I feel like backs it all up and makes me feel better about it. But I feel like you can, look, I think actors should be treated well. They should be, like, should feel safe on set. But this movie was grueling to make to some degree, physically, and taxing on the actors. And I I think you can feel it in the movie. I think it's part of its enduring quality. Like, I think it, like, you you feel it in the, uh, you feel it in the scenes. You feel it in, um, in sequences, like, it it is being on set and it is working with practical things and it is the fact that it was a pain in the ass to shoot. I I think is part of what it's a lot of things that add up to a thing, but I I don't think you can te- I don't think you can separate that part from part of what makes this movie hold up this many years later. Patrick's really glad that all those uh, PAs had to carry the boat from Fitzcarraldo <laughs> through the jungle. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> well, they they shipped a bunch of Schwarzeneggers. Uh, I guess the, the 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 cast would get up in the middle. They would get up at four in the morning and work out before they shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Schwarzenegger had a bunch of his like personal stuff flown out. So I guess I'm just presu- I don't like know where that stuff was on set. But <laughs> can you imagine? Oh my god, this has to be one of the all time most like do you even lift, bro? Set like shoots oh in history. God. Just all these dudes going out. Uh, at dawn to just like make gains. I guess I guess except Shane Black out there, like the two like the skinny nerdy types. Are they also going out? And like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. they're doing extra. Yes, 100 percent. Again, this is this is my fucking. You have to put the weird guys in a place theory of film. These dudes have to be in a place to get good chemistry. Like they have to right. be in the same room for a lot of time doing annoying, dumb shit while all the PAs are off doing like work. These guys it's, have to be like fucking around with weights. It's four thirty <laughs> in the morning. You're Shane Black in a cold, high altitude jungle. Arnold Schwarzenegger is encouraging you to get there, get in there on those weights, uh, and begins <laughs> delivering the "It feels like coming" monologue uh, when he talks about. He's also handing you three. He's also handing you three cigars, and you're gonna have to. You're actually gonna have to smoke these while you're lifting the weights. God, I want to see now. Now that I mentioned Fitzcarraldo, I want to see the uh, Werner Herzog documentary about the making of Predator. <laughs> oh, and so you see the men lifting in the jungle. They bring their objects here, and it represents our inability to recognize what is in front of us. <laughs> I would, I would, I would watch that. I bet the behind-the-scenes stuff on this movie is good. Um, how's Mina, Rob? You look, you got more. You got so animated a second oh, she's ago. Great. <laughs> She had to. Uh, she had to come running in, say hello, and then run away as I try to pet her, and then run back at me. So, so, so 
so I can try to pet her, and then she has to run. She'll start barking in a second. Certified Mina moment. Yep. Mm. Uh, question. What do you think their predators eat? Are the mandibles functional for eating or vestigial? I think... Hmm. Hmm. I think that they use them to, like... I think they'd like bugs. I think they're like bugs. They do a little juice and then they go and they like slurp it. You know? I, I was getting a strong protein shake and smoothie vibe yeah. from the entire yeah. at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like to a degree there's some like physiological issues they have with other sorts of food, but also I think just intellectually now. It's like this has all the nutrients I need to again make these gains. <laughs> I agree, man. When when the when the predator does, when they reveal that it has like a recording box and it loops back the oh, Billy laugh yeah. from earlier oh. in the film, I don't think I I don't think I realized that's what that was until this it's, viewing. It's heinous, <laughs> yeah. Because they just they just hold on to that being a feature of the predator until the last possible moment they- to give it the most possible. <laughs> impact i thought they it, have him doing it a bunch they have he does it a bunch of times actually well does he well, he makes the or do we are we no, supposed he, to assume he does because it seems like he does during that one scene where uh mac is actually calling out to carl weathers uh dylan yes <laughs> right and then the, the, at that point i was like oh shit is that the predator because you hear you hear the playback happen when he's saying those words the first time and so i'm like that's what I thought was happening in that scene, and it ends up actually Mac is there trying to get him to come over, but I, it, they like primed that in a way where I was looking, trying to listen for it more often, mm. and I think it will- in the script one of them is that that anytime the, the predator goes anytime to he is luring people with the other voice lines, uh-huh. he starts doing mm. it. Um, uh, actually. Oh, God, I think the first time he does it is the laugh isn't the first thing that he records and plays back. Uh, he has a he has a couple of things, but they are. That is the one where it becomes obvious to the characters what is happening. Right. I guess that's I guess that's what I should say is that that is the that is when it is one of the layered parts of the film where even on this time, I didn't really pick up on that being something that was happening until it shoves it in your face. Yeah. And it's just such a disturb. Like, he like it's such a creepy moment. Yeah. They, they prime it during the scorpion scene. Cause you hear the people talking and then he plays it back to himself mm-hmm. and it's turn well, around. Mm-hmm. The words are very like directional. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, someone's going to get fucked up by this. <laughs> well, and I also feel like when the revelation is made to us that that's happening to me, it always feels a bit like, there's defilement happening as well, right? Yeah. That it's like yeah, yeah. that, like, mm-hmm. and I think it goes to this notion of like that uncomfortable feel, feeling we have earlier of like these guys mow down a bunch of people as if they are not people, and the predator, like, and to the point uh, that you know we were making earlier about like it's like uh, hierarchies of predator and prey relationships throughout throughout this. You know, the scorpion, uh, you know, is a predator at its level of the ecosystem, but also just something to be like squished uh, by someone else. But the fact that the predator uses these, and this is just your dumb animal noises, the things that make you human, the things that like, right. are you trying to communicate and try to like express yourself to, to your fellows? These are just the bleats and like, uh, groans that the predator hears you make and knows knows to use duck as call. That was exactly yeah. what I was gonna say. He's using a duck call on humans, but but I think it also the the thing is 
one of the like one of the interesting things about this is that as these dudes are subjected to this, they all undergo this process, or at least the ones who are like making it later into the film, of also being stripped away of artifice and mm-hmm. being stripped away of these pretenses of being like apex predator soldiers and everything. And so it begins like, you know, by the end, you find Billy who just realizes like we're not getting out of this. But also, if he's going to go out, he is going to discard this idea of himself as like a member of the squad, right? He is going to go fight single combat, hand to hand, you know, out on this bridge. And ultimately, that's kind of what Dutch ends up having to do as well is like like the the predator sort of is is sort of stripping them of of their humanity, uh, is stripping them of this I, I, idea of like where they sit in in the world but at the same time as as a byproduct of that process they also start discarding artifice and they start getting down like you you could argue that they begin reclaiming a more like basic sense of humanity of like what may like who am i when when we strip when we boil it all down to essentials what can i do as a person that's i mean that's mac that's max monologue to the sky uh, is him being stripped down to at your core what is the relationship that you had to this other character and it's him like it's the it's the scene where he goes uh where uh dutch is like oh i'm sorry about the he was a good soldier and mac is like no fuck fuck that he was a he was a friend of mine and like it is those moments of dropping the artifice that i that i think are the, are the real strength of the movie um i, I think you're right rob but it, but also that sequence with the scorpion i mean it also lays sort of the groundwork thematically of like, well, yeah, I mean, you just got to step on it. But if you aren't paying attention, I mean, that scorpion will get you. It can, <laughs> yeah. it can get you. And that's essentially like Dutch becomes the scorpion it is like, all right, I, I'm not really equipped for this. But one shot, if I get one moment, you know, and it, and if and if the if, if the predator is arrogant, in that case, it could be the human versus scorpion. It could, you know, it could be this, you know, the alien versus 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 Dutch. But. It essentially catches the the predator can't do a monologue, but when it does the slow Jason Voorhees approach yep. as like I'm I'm approaching, you ain't going anywhere. Like I'm coming over to claim, you know, because this is just after he has put him up against the the tree stump and is examining his skull. Yeah, to say is this is this skull worthy? Is this better than I had a human skull? That's my trophy. Um, but maybe this one is better. Maybe this one is more worthy of me bringing back for, for my trophy case. And, uh, you know, he essentially does the villain monologue and that ends up being the thing that gets him uh, in ta- the end. And I, I think it's really interesting. He takes off the weighted training. Like he takes off yeah. his weighted training oh, clothes. He Literally, he fucking removes his gun and is like, we are going to stab each other to death in these woods. <laughs> and then um, just kicks the shit out of him. Dutch doesn't yeah. get. I mean, it's just it is it is. It, to some degree, it is all just the predator in search of anything that will challenge it. But really, I mean, it knows that it's going to beat the shit out of yeah out of Dutch. It's just it's just artifice. Yeah. Um. And and the the artificial aspect of the predator's hunt I find really interesting. It's it's personal rules about who gets to die and who like who is a who is a threat and who is a piece of prey is really interesting. There's that moment where it's actually one of the moments where I like actually like Dutch as a character a lot. Not just if I find him charming, but I'm like, oh, Dutch is a good guy, and I like I like when he's on screen. Is when 
Anna picks up a gun and he's like, put that shit down immediately. Because the second you have a weapon for an extended period of time, the predator recognizes you as a threat. Even if you are disarmed, if you have a weapon at a point in time, the predator decides, okay, you are fair game. You're and on my that, shit list. <laughs> right, right, you're on my shit list. And and him knocking the gun out of her hands, I think, is, is, a, is a good... See, I also think it's really interesting that, like, Anna is the first person, because she discards the artifice immediately. Like, she never has artifice, I think, in this film, other than, like, the notion that the film implies that she can't speak English for a significant portion. Like, that is her only artifice. But she is the person who sees the predator first, recognizes what it is they are dealing with, and it is immediately like, nah, this this ain't it. This ain't our spot. We do not need this. And and I, I find that really interesting. The fact that, like, one, she survives the movie. The movie does not actively imperil her all that much. Um, and three, I mean, this could be my uh, a misreading of the time. I expected the threat of, like, gendered or sexual violence this entire movie. It was, like, hanging in the air above the character in a way that, like, was worrying for me and the fact that it never happens was was really surprising i I don't yeah i don't think that's an unfair even (laughs) if it was nothing explicitly happened having a character essentially harass her there was especially the jokes that are set up earlier it would not have been they would that would not be out of character even for this movie for no one says she's hot no one Mm -hmm. like makes any like that's the like when she appears on screen i'm like oh she's gonna have a thing she's gonna get she's gonna get converted by dutch's hot bot and that never happens like (laughs) she won't be a commie anymore (laughs) 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 that's how we won the juntas We sent over a bunch of beefy boys. <clears throat> Send Chad company immediately. <laughs> oh, it's a rescue op. Operation rescue op. Operation Beefcake. <laughs> I think I think Anna's positioning is interesting here too because like there is the there there is a lot of. I think to a degree, like she's also trying to assess the danger she's in from these guys versus the right. danger she's in from the predator. I think Anna's a character who like is until she starts until it like is truly clear. It is like all humans versus the predator. Uh, <laughs> she is still very much just playing it like I like uh, she between two fires, basically, right, yeah. and is trying to navigate them. And then it's like once it once it is time to commit to this notion of we kind of got to figure out what we're going to do about this predator thing or nobody's making it out of here. Um, some of the facade drops, uh, but at the same time, we we do learn a lot about the rules. Right. Her threat assessment is, is, is she's, she's got solid threats because the second she puts hands on one of those dudes, the predator sees her as a threat. Like that's the thing is that she never does real violence throughout the movie. And that is again, part of why I think the predator doesn't fuck with her is because even if she like hits one of them, Dunsky. It's Dunsky for her immediately. All bets are off. Cody, you were saying? Well, I was saying, like, when Rob mentioned between uh, between two fires, and just, like, that kind of also just really works for the very kind of obvious Cold War metaphor happening here, right? Like, 
it is uh you know people of central and southern america in between the fucking russian and u.s military superpowers right like the those two uh those two just like technologically advanced uh like superpowers kind of tr- warring like doing a proxy war on their turf and like uh locals being caught in between right um like that kind of really further brought to home this thing that which i had missed the first time i watched it uh you know a decade ago or whatever uh that it really was kind of interested in like position like the way that you know dutch's group is positioned as outsiders crossing a border that they shouldn't be crossing and then the alien obviously Mm -hmm. as an outside force to the whole world uh being kind of but still having that same positionality of like being able to cross that border because they're so technologically advanced over they have the firepower they have the ammunition uh and just like the way that that plays out is uh you know is one of the more interesting parts of this film honestly and also the the mirrors, which I feel like we've kind of touched on uh, a little, but the the way that uh, specifically the the one big scene where uh, the alien starts firing blindly into the jungle, the same way the entire group yep. of people is firing yep. mm-hmm. blindly into the jungle early on, trying to hit the fucking predator the first time around, is just a real. I think this 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 film really enjoyed drawing those through lines and i'm i've heard that prey works with a lot of these so i'm excited for that actually the only thing i will say is a lot of the things that people like about this movie what if someone took that conversation and then made a whole film about it um sick is yeah i'm very excited prey prey rips um it well and it's also an instance in which the that sequence in particular where the predator is just spraying is it, you know, its own code gets stripped away. Right. Mm -hmm. And then it doesn't know what to do. And it panics. Like it's, I don't know if it's scared, but it's panicking at the, at the very least. Um, and I, oh, and earlier, I love that moment when it, you know, when they, they, it screams in the middle of the jungle. Um, it actually, (laughs) yeah. I, for lack of a better term, like humanizes the, the alien to a certain degree that is more than just, Oh, well, if it bleeds, it could be killed. Right. It's that, Oh no, like it can, it can experience pain, which means it can experience fear, which means it can experience anxiety. And like, that is useful for mm-hmm. the, for the audience to know, but is also, I don't know, like makes, makes, makes the creature. There's something about this relative to, you know, it's contemporary and alien, which is and the alien is just a, an animal, right? Like it is, it is just, you know, it is not as calculating as the predator. Um, yeah. And the more that the, the more intelligence that is given to the predator over the course of the film makes it a more interesting villain relative to how most of these creature features work, which is just, it's a disembodied something right. wielding a big, a weapon and um, we'll see how they get killed. Um, uh, the fact that it has all those characteristics just makes it way more interesting to watch. And it, I mean, it also needs a certain amount of like cleverness and willpower to then uh, step in it, so to speak. Right. The whole point is that yeah. these people come in thinking they're hot shit, and the 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 like everything gets flipped on them, and then it happens again to the predator at the end. Like, and they're trying to make that direct through line that just because you're technologically more powerful doesn't necessarily mean you can walk into any place and have an automatic advantage. Right. It's about the hubris of 
military power uh and you know it's mirroring what happened in vietnam basically right like doesn't fucking matter like people who know the place will will find ways to like you know and, and like this notion of specifically that it is technology yeah that like it is easy to get crossed up thinking that your technology is you that the thing technology right. allows you to do means these are things mm-hmm. that that you can do and yeah this is this is where the meta the vietnam metaphor is really explicit right whereas like uh this this notion that all these guys come in confident because they think it's because they're ultimate warriors but in large degree it is because they're simply better equipped yeah (laughs) and the predator is in the same zone where it's like i just need to hunt the most like it is classic big game hunter shit like what actual big game hunters do right which is i'm going to test myself against the most dangerous animals using only my wits and (laughs) thousands of dollars of equipment uh and sophisticated lures yeah and like optics that no animal in nature can can match etc etc although in the minute yeah. Interesting that that is just fucking predator vision too, which I love. Which is, you you spend the whole I spent the whole movie thinking that's surely like part of the technology, but then when he takes it off, it just the colors are inverted, but he still sees heat, right? Well, <laughs> yeah, I, that that is um I, that's actually I, I think one of the things that I, I find interesting is that uh the predator only comes out during the hottest years. I actually think that it's vi- like when it takes the helmet off, its vision actually gets really fucked up. Uh, I think that like the uh, oh that makes sense. There's, the there's helmet is like dampening it so that it can still pick yep. out right because it's hot. Yep. Out. Yeah, uh. the environment is it is not the environment it was built for. So the second it takes its helmet off, it is like oh I can't see shit here because it's too hot for my eyes to to like adjust. Sorry, but it that lives for a, that challenge. A fun note. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like I guess the the final thing I was just gonna say is like when all these things are stripped away. The predator is as helpless and juvenile in a lot of ways as the guys is hunting, right? And that's why, like, the end of this movie is is the most I'm taking my ball and going home type yeah. thing, where it's like it's graceless in defeat uh, right. as, as well. And so the whole the whole honor code thing goes up to a point where it's like it doesn't want to, uh, you know, it's trying to figure out what's the technical definition of what's a valid like. T- prey creature but then at the end when it when it takes its first l it's just like i think we should all die in a in a, in a tiny <laughs> nuclear explosion mutually obscure discretion this discretion. sucks man this sucks <laughs> this is total bullshit this isn't how my bros back on the ship just you know you just cover yourself in fucking mud you're just gonna do that you hide in mud the i think the person i I would say the person I was... Oh, sorry, Kato. Uh, I was just going to say really quick that the fact that it's a nuke really kind of sells me on the whole, like, Cold War metaphor and, like, the fact that oh, it, sure. it tries to go for the mutually obscured destruction route is, is very much like... By the way, if you missed it... <laughs> uh, the person I was talking about at the beginning of this podcast uh, is the most I'm taking my ball and going home if this stops going my way person <laughs> I've ever met. And so his deep love of the Predator as a character is just so much the sweeter. It's just, it just brings me so much more joy <laughs> after this. Uh, well, I think that covers a lot of the movie. Is there anything else that comes to, to mind that people wanted to bring up before we land this plane uh, i'm so the, stoked for prey 
so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, the one thing I'll say is uh, about Prey is um, I was listening to an interview with Dan Trachtenberg. If you haven't seen 10 Cloverfield Lane, also an excellent film um, is the movie he did before this. Um, really, really good. Despite the Cloverfield <laughs> part of it. It's a really good, smart little thriller uh, with an excellent performance by uh, John. Are Gooden, you anti Cloverfield? No, I'm pro Cloverfield. But okay. I think when you say that, people can get the wrong impression. You know what I mean? Well, Cloverfield there's Cloverfield. Paradox is such a- yeah, this is what Cloverfield. I was going to say. Ten Cloverfield kind of Lane, Cloverfield, Cloverfield Paradox. Paradox. I was pro the I was pro the Cloververse, and then Cloverfield Paradox fucked it all up. And <laughs> but I I think sometimes people hear that and they might have a strong impression about Cloverfield as a found footage film. Um, I can see why people wouldn't like that movie. I adore Cloverfield. I think it's great. Um, but it's like a really taut, tight thriller that's worth watching. Anyway, he tells this story uh, on on the Kingcast. He was on there talking about. Um, the raft from Creepshow 2 and they were talking about uh, Prey and he was too young to go see Predator in theaters and so on the school bus all the older kids were just talking about how sick Predator was like they were you know like the middle schoolers and they're they they, they were able to go for whatever reason and they basically spent the entire bus ride describing how all the scenes of Predator and how cool they were and they described this long sequence that is not present in the film of oh and Billy took off all his shit and he walks off and he he go like he goes to fight the predator and it's 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 sick and so for a long time Dan Trachtenberg was like I cannot that sounds like a really cool scene of like this person fighting the predator one on one um can't wait to see that in the film <laughs> built it all up in their head finally sees predator scene is non-existent and then so the seed of prey is. Well, I really wanted to see that scene yeah. in Predator. Yes. I think I'll just I think I'll just go make that movie. Um That's amazing. Call yeah, it Dan Trachtenberg and I had the same idea. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's it's I Prey is Prey is excellent. I, and I'm I'm excited for all of us to uh watch that uh very soon. Um because I think that's gonna do it for this uh inaugural episode of uh, my turn. Uh our thanks to uh to Mello for uh, our music. Uh, if you're listening to this through Waypoint Plus, thank you for your support. If you're listening it through the Waypoint Radio feed, if you want to hear these episodes early and without ads, consider subscribing at waypointplus.com. Uh, and everyone, please leave a review on iTunes. Um, it really does help new people find the, the the podcast. We made it. We went from 1.6 thousand to 1.7. I checked, crushed it. The march to 1.8. Get on there. Give us some stars. I don't care if they're one stars. The algorithm doesn't give a shit. Just, <laughs> just stars. All that matters. Um, you can follow uh, my work uh, at Patrick Klubik, uh Kato. Where can people follow you? At A underscore Kato underscore appears on Twitter. Uh, Ren? At Ren or Raven. And Rob. At Rob Zachney. Uh, next week, we'll be watching Prey, which is available on Hulu now if you want to watch it. Although, criminal, that movie did not come out in theaters. Um, I want to see that, it on a who fucking knows? screen. I know. I know. Everything, everything a, people are saying. I'm like, I want to see it on a big screen. <laughs> apparently because when it's a Fox movie and when Disney bought Fox, they had existing rights with HBO. And so if they put it out in one theater, it would go to HBO Max first. And huh. so um, they, Disney owns Hulu. Anyway, it's a it's it's bullshit. It's, it's bullshit. <laughs> You're going to watch this and go, should have seen this on a movie theater. Um, so until then. I don't um, have to choose. <laughs> wow. I have a, I do I see the problem is I have the projector 
but I don't have Rob's sound. And so, you know, one day Rob will visit me and we'll, we'll have a long conversation where you can convince my wife why I should spend thousands of dollars on on a sound system. We'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, but to then, uh, I don't know. I got to come up with a sign off, but we'll we'll see you next week. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.